Benjamin Franklin once said, the bitterness of poor quality remains long after the sweetness of low price is forgotten. The fact is, quality matters. Join us as we make quality fun, interesting, and accessible to companies of all levels. Quality matters is a must-listen for all things quality. Listen in, ask questions, and get back to doing what matters most. Quality Matters, brought to you by Texas Quality Assurance, where quality management gets simplified. Well, hello and welcome back to Quality Matters. I am Kyle Chambers from uh, Texas Quality Assurance. And today we've got a really fun episode. We're taking a break from the consultation mini series. We'll be picking that back up after Christmas. But, um, and I'm really hopeful we can get this out uh, here in the next couple of days. So we got plenty of time before Christmas. Uh, we have Kevin Farrick from uh, API joining us on the podcast again today. And what we're talking about today is the migration, or not migration, but uh, rather the uh, the upgrade of the, the Q1 standard from the ninth edition to the 10th edition. Kind of dive into why it was done, what changes were made, what we're looking for, just really kind of help understand this a little bit better because there's no shortage of folks out there that this is going to impact over the next year. So with that, let me bring uh, Kevin Farrick. He is the uh, Senior Director for uh, Monograms, uh, the API Q1 program. So Kevin, welcome to the Quality Matters Podcast again. Kyle, thank you very much for having me. Thank you. Appreciate it. So give everyone, you know, it's been, gosh, what, two years since we probably had you on here oh it's been that's a while it's been a while yep. yeah i think we were still uh in the middle of covid and everything last time mm -hmm. we did so fill everyone in kind of give us a little bit of background on kind of who you are why you're the expert we're, we're talking to here well expert i don't know if i'm gonna go that far <laughs> but, um so i'm uh i i am the i manage uh ap the uh, monogram api qr program for uh for the american petroleum institute for those who are wondering it, it actually is a multitude of programs um it is the mm -hmm. monogram licensing program uh, so we currently license manufacturers of of equipment uh against about 70 api specifications mm -hmm. um standards and specifications and uh we also uh, register companies against uh, several several management system or management system related standards. So API, the one we're going to talk about today is uh, API specification Q1, but it, we also license against Q2, which is for service providers. Um, which some may have questions about what 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 mean what service means um, going yeah, there's forward. There's a few more gray now. <laughs> yeah, it's a little gray. Um, we also have a program, uh, 18 LCM life cycle management. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we are also a 9,000 ISO 9001, ISO 14,001 registrar. So, uh, it, it's actually, a uh, when we talk about monogram API QR, it's really a, a series of, um, certification and registration programs that we offer. Yep. Um, few words about my background. I've actually been with API for, Better than thirty years. Um, wow. I actually, That's I actually amazing. started started as a um, as a technical editor, um, and then evolved into a number of areas. Um, for uh, for a number of years, I ran uh, the engine oil program that API uh, operates. Um, so that's essentially the program that uh, if you look in a bottle of of motor oil, you're going to see uh, API marks on them, the API donut and the starburst. So I did that for a number of years. Okay. And then uh, I was asked to to step over and uh, take uh, take on the monogram API QR program, and that's where we are today. Okay. 
Well, tell me first. Well, I guess first I guess say just the fact you were with uh, APF for 30 years. Like that's just mind blowing. That that doesn't happen very often these days. Mind blowing for me. <laughs> uh, man, you know, I've got a, a friend from high school. I remember we all made fun of him in, in high school because we we're like, you know, what, what's your plan for, for life? And, you know, for whatever a high school kid can have a plan. And he's like going to college, getting whatever degree. And he's like, I want to find one company and work with them till the day I die. So far, he succeeded there. So wow. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Um, so when we talk about Q1, uh, you know, I'm going to guess most of the folks listening here probably familiar with the API standards. So we've got a lot of folks that listen that are in the quality world, but not in the oil and gas world. So Q1 is effectively the equivalent for um, API to 9001. Correct? Maybe a, uh, not it, that it's quite it's, apples to apples. It's uh, it's actually uh, quite a bit more. Um mm-hmm. We 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 would say that um, uh, that Q1 is the uh, it, it's well Q1 is intended to be the management system standard for the oil and gas industry. Mm-hmm. Um, it it does uh, it it was developed and and built certainly the current edition to be consistent with 9001 in this case 9001 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, the ninth the ninth edition was 9001 2008. Um, right. So. So when 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 it was time to uh, review and to issue, uh, well, either either issue a revision or reaffirm uh, Q1, uh, they had they knew that they had to do some updating to make to bring it in line with 2015, yep. uh, 9001 2015. So that's so in our minds, um, uh, the way the way we approach it is we want to make sure we're consistent, um, mm-hmm. and then and then quite frankly make it easier for companies that choose to participate in API QR to become registered against Q1, that yep. they could also meet 9001 because they're meeting the requirements of Q1. So, so. going forward, are y'all going to have to do two separate um, kind of aud- scopes on the audit to get 9001? Or with Q1, would you guys be able to automatically uh, issue the 9001? Well, well how, they have how's to, that going to work? Well, the way it works, so companies have to, to have to let us know that they want 9001. Now, mm-hmm. the way Monogram, the, the API QR program works, if a company chooses, they want to be 9001, there are requirements for that. Uh, but we actually, um, if, if you're Q1, um, then we uh, also uh, give for free if a company so decide desires uh, 9001 uh, okay. along with it. Um, so... Long and the short is that if they meet uh, if they meet Q1, um, they can also get nine thousand one. So so it's a uh, we, we, bigger earlier cousin of nine thousand one. It yeah it's yeah it's a it's <laughs> it's a relative the rel you know they're related. Um, uh, but and the truth is, if you go through the effort of Q1, you can get you can you should be able to get nine thousand one. Yep. Uh, there, there are certain criteria that we have to make sure we safeguard against. Um, as a reminder, uh, 9001 registrants have to be uh, audited uh, on an annual basis, in a calendar year basis, every year. Mm-hmm. Um, Q1 registrants also um, have to be uh, audited. In fact, all of our licensees get audited every year now. Um, but with Q- with 9001, we have to be very careful to make sure that we adhere to the requirement of getting um a of getting uh the audit in on a calendar year basis sometimes yep. sometimes we have to be very careful about that makes sense that yep. makes sense 
so a lot of time has passed in the update to the Q1 standard. So in, in you know, how much time has, has passed here, actually? So from the ninth edition to the 10th edition? Well, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> it, uh, sorry, I'm just making sure I was just double checking because I, I naturally I got a, I got a team's note from somebody. Um, <laughs> uh, the, uh, so I apologize for that. No, you're good. You're good. Um, so the, the never ends. Ninth, ninth, no, ninth edition, um, ninth edition actually came out June, 2013. Mm -hmm. uh, so here we are, uh, we're, we're December, 2023. It, it, the, the 10th edition was published, uh, September 18, 2023. Mm -hmm. That's a little late. <laughs> um, <laughs> officially our, our standards procedures require, um, standards to be reviewed. Um, they could be reaffirmed. So you, you could have a, uh, you could have a you could have a standard that doesn't change, but they actually have to be looked at at least every five to seven years. Mm -hmm. um, it, it they so they're either revised, they could be withdrawn depending on the standard, um, or right. they could be reaffirmed. But something has to happen, and in this case, uh, the Q1 needed to be reviewed at minimum. Um, uh, but but then of course knowing that they had to bring it up bring it up to be more in line with. Uh, 9001 2015, I think the expectation was there was going to be enough changes. Um, and in fact, there were quite a few changes. Yeah. Um, so it, it basically meant we have a new edition. Gotcha. So, well, what are some of the changes that were made? Like what's, what's the end goal? It sounds a lot of the end goal was alignment with 9001 because, you right. know, they definitely made the language and the way the standard flows, all sorts of funky, but that's a whole other series of podcast episodes. Um, yeah. So, obviously some challenges there but other than you know alignment with 9001 what were some of the changes or improvements in this edition of the standard well as i said that i'm going to be probably staring at my my cheat sheets um no that's but, fine but um so a couple things to keep in mind number one um it, they there if you look at the table of contents you're going to see that there are some differences um, but there were some drivers, I think, that really that really shaped the the standard and the way it came and the way it's turned out. Um, for sure, you're correct that the 9001 uh, 2015 was sort of at the top of the list. That we had to make sure that Q1 was consistent with that. So they did. Mm -hmm. So that was done. Um, a couple other things uh, that were done. Um, if if they look at it, they're going to see that the scope has been uh, expanded. Um, mm -hmm. That and um, you know, essentially, um, well, scope, scope expansion, and to if you want to understand the difference, you want to look at the ninth edition scope versus the tenth edition. Yeah. Um, so the ninth edition established quality system requirements for organizations that manufacture products in accordance with API uh, and other specs that are intended for use in the petroleum and natural gas industry. Um, under the tenth edition. Um, they, they basically expanded the scope to include uh, uh, engineering design um, and physical properly related activities, uh, basically such as distribution logistics. So if you looked again, you go back to the ninth, um, we did cover things. So you, you could be a Q1 registrant um, and you could provide services like heat treatment, threading, mm -hmm. um, testing activities. Mm -hmm. Those carry forward to the 10th edition, but they also added other things like, and mostly distribution logistics and of all things, software. Mm -hmm. 
Now, software, we're not sure how to manage that yet because quite frankly, we don't know how to audit against how to software. So when we when we're looking at this uh, for API QR, uh, when they expanded the scope, it really was to bring in some participants that would not have been eligible under the ninth edition. And realistically, yep. distribution and logistics providers um, are now companies that could consider okay. doing QR, API QR. Uh, a couple other changes. Um, uh, some of the some of the easier ones. They did expand. Um, they they expanded the records retention requirements. Um, so companies, uh, if they were if they looked on the, if they're following ninth edition, they had to keep records for five years. It's mm -hmm. now being expanded to ten. Um, right. Now, this is a tip that companies want to keep in mind. We do understand. That you're not going to have 10 years of records the minute we start auditing against the 10th edition. <laughs> um, so we don't expect you to go back and resurrect 10 years worth of documents. You'll be conjuring up old files that have been deleted. Exactly. Yeah, we do not want to be conjuring those. So, so uh, we know that it's going to be something that's just going to have to evolve over time. Um, now, uh, another thing that uh, is it caused a lot of discussion for, you know, the, the, so API standards are, are created uh, and, and managed and, and developed by uh, a, through a consensus based process mm -hmm. of, of individuals and companies that have um, material interests in a standard. So mm -hmm. we, we don't just write them. We actually have committees that write our standards and these are, these are composed in the case of Q1 of users uh, manufacturers, users, users would be companies like the um, oil and gas companies themselves, um, uh, users, manufacturers, and others. So manufacturers would be manufacturers of equipment, um, and, it, and in this case, it included companies that were part of uh, that were interested in logistics and distribution. Mm -hmm. So it was a it was a broad spectrum of companies that have an interest in quality management for products and services to, for the oil and gas industry. Sounds like a more functional version of uh, what ISO does with their TC one seventy six. Exactly, um, <laughs> so, and all of our standards, you know, all, all of our standards really are they're, they're done through consensus based. Now, consensus means you know we try to read it's not unanimity, uh, right. but it's but it's significant uh, amount yeah. of, of agreement. So one of the things that this group decided was um, that they were going to remove the term quality manual. So, so uh, if, if you know, and, if, and in fact, I actually have, a, I went back and I was doing some research on an article and, uh, you know, the original, the original Q1 came out in January, 1985. Okay. So, so it's about 40 years ago. And I think quality manual has been there ever, since day one. And, <laughs> and so that caused a lot of consternation. And yeah. even, from a, even from a, from a programmatic standpoint, we would ask, we would ask our licensees as a, as part of their application to give us a copy of their manual, mm -hmm. um, and then our auditors would would ask for a copy of the manual. Mm -hmm. Well, the 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 word quality manual has sort of gone away. Yeah. Now that said, companies are certainly welcome to continue to maintain a manual, and if that's how <laughs> they choose to do it, that's great. Yeah. But they they have to document their system. We we've just tried to broaden it. So that yeah. they can document it in any fashion they want. So, for yeah. example, I, I would not be well, even API. So, the API QR program has a, has a significant number of control documents for our procedures. 
we have a quality manual. Okay. Mm -hmm. All of those are controlled. They're all kept in, in our case, it's SharePoint. Mm -hmm. um, but if someone said to us, well, what is your procedure for managing, uh, well, it's windy and cold here. So global, you know, climate, climate related or climate related, um, any kind of disasters that occur, hurricanes, yeah. you know, fire, things right. like that. We have state, we have a, we have a procedure for that. We have procedure yep. for how we approve, how we, uh, how we manage and approve our, our licensees and registrants. Yep. All of those are kept in, in a variety of documents, but they're not all bound together in one big manual. Yep. And that's so, something that we've run into a lot over the years. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, I remember when I first started in quality and safety and, um, you know, that was the, that was the thing. And there's still a lot of companies that operate that way. It's like your safety manual. It's not a manual. It is every single bit of safety documentation you have. And then the, we do the same thing, not as commonly, but folks do the same thing for quality. Here's every single procedure and every single program I have all in one document and it's on Rev 342. <laughs> because correct. I had to, and it, it gets a little ridiculous after a while. And so what we've done is we will, when we write a manual, the manual, my goal is that it, it doesn't actually tell you much unique. It just kind of outlines, we have a program that has these controls. Here's the procedure. We have a program has these controls. Here's the procedure. We do the same thing. We just point everything out to a procedure. But I like that you made the point here because this was a big confusion when the 2015 edition of ISO 9001 came out and they no longer had the requirement for a quality manual. A lot of people took that as we're not allowed to have a quality manual anymore. And it's like, no, it's no. just they're giving you freedom to come up with new ways to do things. That's correct. Bear with me while I reach down and pull out my... Um, yeah, if, if you... There is a... As I'm as I'm flipping through my uh, so it goes to show you that I, I do like to have paper still so I'm sitting here. Um, if you looked at uh, the quality manual and and or the requirements for it, um, it 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 doesn't say you can't have a manual. Um, it, mm -hmm. it pretty much what it is telling you um, is that you you need to have uh, you need to document your system. Um, and it just gives you an option, uh, multiple options on how you would do that. So yep. that's an important thing. Um, other changes, uh, supplier valuation process. That's another one that did get a lot of work. Um, okay. So between so supplier evaluation between uh, for critical and non-critical, um, both for supplier evaluation, well, critical, non-critical, and reevaluation. Those requirements were were beefed up. Okay. Um, there's also some requirements for um, evaluating a final product uh, that that kind of got tweaked and changed. Okay. Um, I think what they'll find now the other thing is uh, that instead of design and development, they're going to see it just says design. Right. Um, but it's pretty much. Uh, I, I don't. I think when companies look at it, yes, some things got moved around a bit. There were, but the requirements are really very similar they just they got somewhat rearranged and, yeah. and they, got, they got tweaked a bit okay um, so companies just need to sort of be prepared for that yeah make sure that you know so they might be and again this isn't any advice formal advice we're having to give anyone here but it sounds like most companies probably gonna need to tweak a little bit the language for some of their procedures yep. make sure that their manual has any updated references to, to q1 but all in all sounds like if you're already certified to q1 you probably only have just a few days of effort to get ready for the new uh, 
new new addition, assuming everything else is all all working well in the, the team. So yeah, I think it's going to mean uh, that you know they do need to look uh, at 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 the document. Um, there is a we did put um, we did create a compatibility matrix uh, mm-hmm. to try to help. Sure, um, which is downloadable from from the website. Can you uh, shoot me a link to that so I can make sure to leave it in the show notes here? Sure, happy to. That will be hugely helpful. We, we're working on a transition matrix ourselves right now, so I'm going to be taking a look at that uh, as well yeah. to make sure I incorporate anything in there. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Perfect. Um, now, the only other thing that – and and I, I'd be lying if I didn't say that internally there's been a lot of discussion about this – is the definition of a product. Yeah. Okay. Um. It so the the uh, I have the I have both. Uh, I'm looking at uh, I'm currently staring at at the the tenth edition. Okay. Um. But if you looked at the ninth edition, let me find the ninth edition. So ninth edition versus the tenth edition. The the ninth edition uh, actually does not have the definition of product. Isn't that handy? Um, <laughs> Let's just show you. I'm sitting here staring. I go, hey, wait a minute. But um, you know, bear in mind that when with the ninth edition, the the focus was on manufacturing of a mm-hmm. product. Okay. Yep. Tenth edition. While this sounds very simple, so it, it that we define product as output of an organization intended to be provided to a customer. Mm-hmm. And it said, as used in this document, that this is a note. Um, as used in this document, the term product can include, but is not limited to hardware, software, production activities, or product related activities, such as servicing, storage, distribution, and logistics. So this really opens it up to most folks in the oil and gas world. Now, I I probably should follow up with a few more details there, but I'm kind of curious, how's this impacting Q2? Well, we're trying to work that through. Okay. Um, so, you know, there actually there's some work being done now that the, the task group responsible for Q2 is taking a look at it. Um, there are there are a couple things within within the document that even that we have some questions about so that mm-hmm. we're reaching back to the to the subcommittee to ask some questions. Okay. Um, but the, the the idea of product where, where it becomes a challenge is. Um, there's also this term called servicing, right? So mm-hmm. in, in the 10th edition that says maintenance adjustment and or repair performed on a product after delivery and or on-site installation. And that's yep. where you start getting the question about how is that different from Q2? Yeah. Um, so that's something that we're trying to work out too, because if you look at servicing, if you consider servicing a product, which has been one of the conversations we're having, some of the requirements in Q1 10th edition become a bit more challenging. Yeah. Um, if anyone's taken any, there's been some, some trainings being put out even now trying to probably that's bringing this up. And, and it's something that um, I, I'm not sure we have an answer yet because it's something <laughs> that we have to go back to the subcommittee that's yeah. responsible for it and ask them. Um, so which you may not way, have, that happens all the time, just so everyone's aware. Oh. Their standards get published, and we always have questions. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I don't think there's any way. Well, I mean, I think we can all probably relate to that a little bit. And so just imagine, like, anytime you update a process procedure, like, you immediately know, 
there's probably two or three other places this is going to impact, and I'm just not quite sure yet. And that's why we have the whole management of change process. What else do we need to go check and evaluate and walk through? So y'all are just doing the same thing on a, a higher scale. That's right. That's right. Um, I'm curious about this. So trying to think about, and I don't, I don't necessarily want to spend too much time with the Q1, Q2 here, but um, it is an interesting kind of uh, dilemma. So we've got one client that really the only product they provide is skilled labor for, um, you know, construction and maintenance. Mm -hmm. Whereas another company that maybe would service those components in a shop or maybe has some sort of a hybrid back and forth where they're really repairing, maintaining and overhauling the equipment. The folks that are repairing, maintaining and overhauling sounds like would be a real good fit for Q1. And the folks whose really only product is skilled labor on site would be a good fit for Q2. Yeah, off the top of my head, uh, I probably that sounds about right. Um, again, probably going to get yelled at. Yeah. Um, but no, it, it's but, all kind of when you when you um, so Q two. The way it's always been uh, shared with me is that Q two is intended for service provided at the, the well mm -hmm. the well site. Yep. All right. So so and that can be in a variety of forms. Um, it could be you know it could be it could be providing uh, labor to do the work. It could be that they're performing a very specific service function using service related product at yep. the facility. Okay. Gotcha. So when we think of Q2, that's kind of where our heads are. Sure. If, you, if you're talking about, when we talk about product in the 10th edition, if, if a, if a company is providing maintenance and repair, for example, on a specific product, um, then it may, it's probably leaning more towards Q1 and, and, Okay. And bear in mind that that even you know, like today, you have companies in their scopes Q1 scope statements that are providing um, repair and remanufacture services mm -hmm. on on equipment, right? So right. maybe maybe they they're the original manufacturer, but they may also be providing repair and remanufacture, say, of a BOP. Um, yep. Um, so like so, for example, doing repair against uh, API spec 16AR standard 16AR. Which which is which is repair or manufacture um, for, in this case, and BOPs. Mm -hmm. So you have a um, in that in that situation you have more of a Q1 type facility because it's, it's it's a distinct product. Well, there's so I guess kind of the general takeaways. There's questions that'll still be answered over time, but I'm excited that Q1 is opened up. So it's 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 a lot more obvious when there is a yes, that this is a good fit for folks. Cause we've had a lot of discussions with folks before they were like, well, I don't know if I need Q1 or 9,001. It's like, can I even do Q1? I know I can do 9,001, but then I've got people that want Q1. So I'm excited that it's opened up more so that it's, it's less of a debate when folks are getting ready to go for certification as to what path is available to them. So that's exciting to me. Um, what are some of the other kind of impacts um, that maybe y'all are expecting uh, to come out of this update in the standard? I mean, what um, what about like the the audit cycle? How's this going to change their audit cycle? What can they expect in their next audit or the one after that? Well, there's a few things. Um, probably the most important thing we can remind people is the of the schedule and the timing of this. So, um, a, when when uh, 
API is the option of when, when a new standard or specification is introduced that has a, that is part of the monogram program, or in this case, the API QR for Q1. Um, the committee responsible for it essentially advises us on whether what the implementation should when when the implementation date or when the effective date for the monogram program should should be what it should be. Um, Today, it, it, the the sort of baseline is if they think that a that a waiting period needs to be put in place, it's usually six months, but it could be up to a year. Okay. And depend, depending on the the uh, the breadth of the uh, of the changes, the the subcommittee that's responsible for the document will advise either six months or one year. And in this case, it was significant enough changes that they decided to make it a year. Okay. So. So the publication date for 15, or sorry, for Q1, um, my head's the publication date for Q1 um, was is September 18, uh, 2023, but the effective date, the monogram effective date is September 18, 2024. So what does that mean? What it means is that, that uh, organizations that are currently in the program um, can... Uh, they, they actually have the option and they can start requesting even starting early next year, January 1 of next year, actually. They can ask to be registered, start to be to audit against the 10th edition. And okay. if that's the case, then they would get and they pass the audit, then they would get a 10th edition registration. Okay. Um, they the, the a few other things to keep in mind, um, if they don't want to do it early, then they will be required to meet the 10th edition if they want to continue to stay in the program starting September 18, 2024. So, so if they choose to go to do it early, that's great. But by next, by next September, September, 2024, we're going to start auditing against the 10th edition because that is the effective. Gotcha. Edition. So any audit after September, 2024 has to be against 10th edition Prior to, you've got a choice if you, you know, need a little bit more time to get ready. That's right. So, okay. so if, they, if they're if they're ready early, great. Um, it, but by next by next September, we're going to start auditing. Now, what that means is those companies that if, if they if they haven't already migrated over to or transitioned over to the tenth edition, um, there's going to be that that one year. So between 20 September 2024 and September 25 2025, we'll be auditing. And then when if if people are looking at our notification, they're going to say, "Well, why is this? Why is there's this long gap?" Well, the other the other piece of this is we could have companies that are getting audited against the tenth edition in early September 2025. So we actually allow additional time for those audits to be reviewed and closed. Okay. So realistically, we're, we're looking at doing this transition and it, it's a long labor pain. It's gonna be starting in September, 2024, and we're not gonna be done until 2026. Gotcha. So what if, if you're in the middle of your certification cycle, let's say that you're doing, you've got 9,001 in Q1 mm -hmm. and you know next year is your S1 or your S2 audit. Is that going to have an, an impact there with it not being in the recertification year? Yes, uh, there may there may there may need to be a little extra time added to audits to allow for 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 that to happen. So okay. um, if you're a it's going to be 
So today, if you're a what we call a dual, if you're a Q1 and an and a, and a monogram licensee, uh, you actually already get you're going to get a surveillance audit for the monogram portion, but you're going to get a system audit anyway. But there may need to be additional time allocated, depending on the license or the registration that the company gotcha. has, because it could be as you, what you've what you pointed out for those that are fortunate enough to be doing a recertification audit, it's not going to be any different. It's going to be the right. full system audit. But if you're a surveillance one or surveillance two audit, if that's on your schedule, there might need to be additional time added. Makes not sense. a lot, but the auditor is going to have to ver verify that they're compliant with the 10th edition. All right. I've got one more kind of weird scenario to throw at you here. Okay. So, because I know these are all the questions anyone watching this is going to be asking. Um, Let's say that next year is your recertification year, but your recertification audit is scheduled for May or June. Are we going against, do they have the option to be audited against nine and maintain that nine for those three years? Or sorry, you're in that timeline. You have to go for 10. No, if it's a recertification. So I'm making sure that I'm, I'm going to characterize this right. So, and if you need time to double check any of this, that's, that's fine as well. Well, no, I, I, I could tell you that they, they, they don't have to be audited to the 10th. They, uh, if it's any time between now and the effective date, they don't have okay. to. If you're a new applicant, the answer is yes. So you're going to have to start. Uh, I'm going to check my date on this. Um, for new applicants, if you're a new applicant, uh, as of March 1, 2024, um, so anytime after that, you would be required to meet the tenth edition. Makes but sense. If you're if you're doing a if you're doing a research um, and you're not ready, you're not ready for the tenth edition. I, I would probably say you it would might be better to get it over with. Um, but <laughs> if, if, it <laughs> agree. if it doesn't happen, if it doesn't happen in twenty, you know, between now and September 18, twenty twenty four, sure. Um, then then their very next audit. Uh, will so be it's going to be a surveillance one. It's going to be yeah. a different one. Okay. No, that, that all makes sense. I mean, I think those are the big things I know, uh, at least the folks we work with are kind of have questions on. But um, no, again, like I say, I, I'm excited for this. Usually when I see a, a standard has made an update, it's very much uh, kind of a, a, a cringeworthy moment. We're not real sure what's coming. We're afraid of all the changes that have been made. But really, everything in Q1, I'm, I'm fairly happy with the uh, the changes on this edition of the standard. It's not uh, the pull your hair out moment that, uh, you know, sometimes happens. Um, so I'm really excited about it. Again, I'm very excited for the fact that the the scope is kind of expanded for what a product is uh, considered, even if there might still be a few kind of lingering questions there. Before we wrap up, is there anything uh, that you want to share with uh, with folks in regard to uh, the update to the standard here? Um, well, the only thing I would tell you, um, we, we issued the, uh, we issued the, the specs so it was published officially September, uh, 18, 2023. Um, very quickly after that, we realized that the annex a wasn't, was not correct. <laughs> and so we already did an errata. Um, I have to thank, I have to thank our publications team for, for, for putting up with us and getting it, getting it fixed. Um, and, and I, I, I would not be surprised if there's going to be some additional changes I mean, uh, or updates. So I would tell companies that they want to pay attention to uh, whether any errata or any addendums are issued. Um, you know, if, if they're on a subscription, they're going to they're going to be notified of yeah, that anyway. Yeah. But 
but there there's likely going to be RFIs, requests for information or requests for interpretation that are going to be submitted. Sure. Um, so just sort of bear with us um, uh, because potentially there could be some other updates that have to happen. It may not, but yeah, um, it's, it you does. know, there's a process. It's, it's pretty, yeah, there is a process. Uh, so if companies have questions and it is of yeah. a technical nature uh, related to how this standard is interpreted, then there's a, there is a way for them to submit that. And, okay. uh, they, and I would say they should do it uh, sooner than later. Okay. Uh, sometimes it takes a little while to get an answer. I'm sure. I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure on that. Um, well, I think uh, that's really, that's all I, I, I need right now. So we're, you know, we're about out of time here, but uh, this has been really great. I, again, I really, really appreciate you taking the, uh, the time to come on here and talk about it. I know that this is something a lot of folks are just having a ton of questions on when they see this coming up. So I guess my advice to everyone would be if you're certified to Q1, you've got any questions before you go into your next audit, you've got a contact, give them a call, have some questions. I imagine they've got all the information you need. It doesn't sound like it's anything that folks need to stress or fret over too much. It's going to take some preparation. It's going to take a little bit of effort to be ready, but we're not talking about a redevelopment of your whole management system and integration of whole new set of terms and processes and ideas that have never been there before. And this is just I, I think an that's evolution. A, that's a good way to put it. It's an evolution. And, uh, I appreciate the the effort that people are going to uh, undergo to 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 get their systems to bring them up yeah. to date with the tenth edition, and hopefully they get some benefit from it. That's fantastic. That's, that's why we do this. <laughs> well, thank you very much for your time on here again. Make sure you get me the uh, information there for them to to download your guide, and we will talk again soon. All right, thank you, Kyle. Thank you much. Take care. All right, everyone. So that is it for the episode today. Definitely some fantastic information for anyone certified to uh, to Q1 or working uh, with API for your certification process. Some updates coming, some changes coming, a little bit of work to do, but I'm excited about it. I'm optimistic for it, um, and I think this is going to be good for folks in uh, in the long run, and especially with the um, the the added ease between uh, the 9001 and the Q1 standard. I think it's going to be nothing uh, nothing but good for you guys. Um, so please uh, do uh, check the uh, links in the show notes below, and we're going to be releasing that transition guide. Now, again, this transition guide is coming from Texas Quality Assurance. It is not coming from API, totally document that we are developing here, but we think it's going to be really useful, really helpful as you're walking your team through the process. As always, if you need any additional help or support, then what you've got here available to you on the podcast, do not hesitate to contact us. You can go online to texasqa.com, contact us through there, find us on LinkedIn, wherever. We're all over social media, you name it. Happy to answer any question you have. And if you need a little bit of additional support, we're here for you. So be sure to uh, like, subscribe, and definitely share this episode because I guarantee you there's someone you know that needs it. So with that, you guys have a great day, and we will talk to you soon.